Yeah, Steve Conrad. <clears throat> I make a bunch of different TV shows. I have a show called Patriot, Amazon, Perpetual Grace Lemon on Epics, and Ultra City Smiths on AMC. And they're all musicals. All right, I didn't know that. They're all musicals. Steve, thanks for joining us today. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. No worries, mate. So your, your latest creation, Ultra City Smiths, was recently used as one of the launching vehicles for AMC Network's AMC Plus over here in Australia that premiered in Australia last month. So that's a pretty big honour first, mate, to have something that you've created launch, launch a new platform. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. We, we try to write material that I hope can be appreciated in places other than the one I grew up in. And uh, let's see. We try to write about things I hope people all over the world uh, care about. So let's let's see what happens. Oh, it's also a bit of a big burden to you, though, mate, when you think about it. Like, basically, the fate of a whole new entity is resting on the hope that something you've created is going to appeal to a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I don't know. Uh, I'm just trying to keep my own lights on. I, I, I'm not worried about AMC+. <laughs> <laughs> so Ultra City Smiths is a stop-motion animated comedy, mate. So can you explain that term? What, what is stop-motion? Well, stop-motion animation, you'll remember from a lot of holiday specials when we were very young, like uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or Frosty the Snowman. It's a type of animation where uh, you move the figurines uh, fractions of inches at a time and then run the film and it looks like they're moving. So it's a, it's a, it's a art form you'll remember from your childhood, but we have made an adult drama using this art form. And I have happened on calling it adult entertainment for former children. I'm hoping to plug into the way we felt about that art from when we were kids, uh, to use it to explore such mature themes as violence and sex and revenge and power, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And essentially Ultra City Smiths is a six part original comedy series featuring animated baby dolls repurposed as a cast of grown up characters. Is that correct? That is correct, I'm afraid so. <laughs> Can you sort of delve into that a bit more, mate? Like that, it sounds awesome, but it also sounds like crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm hoping I'm hoping it's both. Uh, so I have a couple of friends, Jeff Dieter and Tom Glenn, who are the co-creators of the show, essentially, and uh, they're both just Chicago artists. I live in Chicago, and I have made some of my shows here, but uh, I call it home otherwise. And um, Jeff and Tom just took to collecting baby dolls and then costuming them as adults. And <clears throat> pardon me, they would put extra pounds on these baby dolls and male pattern baldness and uh, motorcycle uh, gang member beards on them. And they would constitute the hundreds of thousands of different looks adults take on. Uh, but you could still see the baby inside. And I thought, well, that's pretty true of everybody I'm friends with. Uh, every, every adult who's in my life when worse comes to worse, the baby comes out. So I thought, why don't I just make them all former babies, turn them into these sort of characterizations of adults and then throw our very grown up themes in there and, and then let's see what happens. So like it, it's, it's a great idea and great concept. I mean, you sort of understand where it comes from. Like you say, we've all grown up with that sort of thing, but what actually gave you the confidence, mate, to flesh it out and, and think that you could pull it off? Oh, I had no confidence. I still don't, <laughs> even though the, the, show, the show's really gone over in the U.S. Um, I, I guess at the end of the day, I cross my fingers and hope that our sense of fun and our, um, the integrity of our purpose to try to tell stories that have points and 
create characters that will be recognizable to our audience. I hope that that at the end of the day would make it all, you know, worth the, the weirdness. <laughs> so the series hinges on an investigation into the mysterious disappearance of Carpenter K. Smith by two intrepid detectives. So is it essentially just a murder mystery at its core? At its core, it's a comedy. And we use the tropes of that genre to try to make our audience laugh. Uh, now, having said that, we traffic in suspense in our other TV shows and we've gotten recognized for being okay at it. So I care about that. So we try to do that well too. But at the end of the day, the, you know, the show's a half hour. It is uh, meant to be laughed at and enjoyed. But at the end, we also hope that there is residual uh, emotional uh, deliveries that our episodes give our audiences. So it, at the heart of it, it's, you know, 15 people are cast in our animating crew trying to, to make everybody else laugh. <laughs> uh, the city itself features a seedy underbelly of corruption, strippers, murder mystery, vigilantism, and even clowns thrown up at some point, mate. Like, it doesn't look like a really nice place to live. <laughs> it looks like uh, Chicago, which is where I live <laughs> <laughs> in large parts. So you're probably right. I still live here despite that being true. I have uh, two kids, both of whom have been mugged in this city, uh, both when they were young teenagers. And uh, this is a really rough town. And it, the other aspect of Chicago is that there are very lovely people who live here. So that's ultra city to me, that both of those things are true. <laughs> wow. So how far could you actually go like with any risque scenes involving animated characters? Like, is, is there any form of censorship in animation? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. We have a little, a little more room than, <clears throat> than uh, live action because there is no such thing as genitalia. There's just, it's all plastic. So we can have fun with that. And we're, we're exploring pushing those boundaries. It is uncharted territory. So our uh, sensors are getting accustomed to <laughs> fending off our weirdness. And they have, uh, they always fail on the side of caution or whatever. They practice their job on the side of caution. So we're, we're pushing them very hard. And in season two, hopefully we'll be able to have uh, more fun with uh doll nudity and, <laughs> and all of public public sex is a huge a huge feature of season two so so anyway stay tuned so is there actually like like a rule book or a list of do's or don't with animation like you you, you can't have same-sex marriage or something like is there any oh any no nothing nothing like that we've got words we can't say right see uh the F word. <laughs> otherwise we can we can we're, we're free to have as much fun as we can. And no, there isn't any prohibition on, on nudity or sex acts. Uh, I'm gonna give the audience, if they've seen the show, a little bit of a spoiler. One of our main characters is running for mayor and she fell out of the race because her husband released a sex tape and she was a great candidate. But what the women of Ultra City decide to do is they, one really smart one has this idea if they all release sex tapes, that there will be no more stigma on sex tape. So every woman in Ultra City releases a sex tape. So we're gonna have thousands of different iterations of lame and familiar you know, domestic sex on the show at season <laughs> Brilliant. Two. We'll, we'll find the boundaries of whatever censorship is out there. <laughs>
And you've also managed to assemble an impressive lineup of actors who provide voice to the characters. You've got people like Kristen Bell, uh, Dax Shepard, John C. Riley, and heaps more, mate. Like, did you actually have any of them in mind while you were creating it? Uh, and Australian Damon Harriman. Da- Damon, I did oh, because Damon, Damon and I work on another TV series, Perpetual Grace. Yeah, I mean, in large part, that cast I have worked with before, we sort of carry around work together, me and this ensemble. So, yeah, almost almost to a person, I wrote these roles for the, the actors who portray them. Definitely Jimmy Simpson, Louis Guzman, Hannah May Lee, John C. Riley for sure. Uh, Tim Meadows was new to me, but he, he fit right in. Um, Deborah Winger is part of our group, and I definitely wrote this role for her. So in large part, yeah, I was able to write to, to the personalities that I've come to know and really like among our cast. And some of those names you mentioned, mate, like are pretty big in the comedy comedy world. So did, did you allow them sort of freedom to add live any of their lines or did they pretty much have to stick to a script? Well, it's a little tricky because in animation, you're a little, you're sort of tied to the performance, but you're tied to a time designation pretty seriously. And the actors knew that where they were able to uh, deliver their personal takes on the characters, it was, I guess, the size of the performance, the fun they would have in the moment. None of them, and we don't do this on my other shows either, there isn't a lot of extemporization. They have fun inside of the construction of the lines, and there's there's a lot of room in there to be bigger or small. Now, my brother's in all of our cast, and he's an improv trained actor, and he, he, to this day, continues to try to write his own lines. <laughs> Thinks he can get away with it because he's family. <laughs> he's still family, yeah. Even he can. Uh, we spoke a little bit more about bringing an, an emotional depth and layer to the storyline. So Entertainment Weekly actually lauded the emotional depth of the characters. So how difficult is it to convey feelings and emotions with animation? It is different. It's not harder. And in some senses, it's easier because we control the performances of these figurines, like we choose when they sigh, we choose when they hold their breath and all, you know, those two, and then, you know, multiple other gives of your emotionality, they um, are very clearly regarded by the audience as storytelling. You'll know how the characters feel when they look away, uh, when they hustle, uh, run off from a confrontation instead of just walk we make those decisions as animators so in some senses it's easier to create an emotional environment and a performance of uh, of a figurine so we've spoken a bit about your past mate but like you've pretty much done it all so far in your career from writing screenplays to producing and directing your own work you developed hit series such as patriot perpetual grace limited you had actors such as ben kingsley jack black ben stiller translating your work to screen mate so which part of the industry actually gives you the greatest pleasure? Writing, still. Yeah. Writing still because you, it's the accomplishment that brings everybody else together. Now, I would watch uh, Jackie Weaver for my whole life and dream someday of working with Jackie Weaver. And she came to work with us on Perpetual Grace because of the character. So, uh, I got to know Jackie and work with Jackie and now count her, you know, um, among my treasured colleagues because she liked the writing. So the writing is still the, the, the thing for me, the most electric part of this. And then after that, I would say the collaboration with, with the actors is second, very close second. Mm-hmm. So what's next for Steve Conrad, mate? Have you got anything new in the pipeline or are you just sticking with this? 
Well, I'm going to stick with this, which we, you know, it, it, it takes an awful long time, but once I'm done with recording the actors and drawing the show, then my co-director, David Brooks, on the floor executes it, and I get time off to then go do something else. So uh, hopefully we'll have a season two, but then uh, simultaneous to that coming out, I hope to have another television series that will be released about the same time. Beautiful, Steve. Well, thanks very much for your time today, mate. It's been, been a nice little chat. Thank you. I feel the same way. I appreciate the attention.